0: The Overview is a production of Channel V TV. Find out more about the show at TV. What's up? What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 92 of The Overview. I'm Chanmian V, and as you can see, we're missing a few of our co-hosts this week. Fishsticks and ZP unfortunately cannot make it this week, but there is too much to talk about, so I had to do the show, and thankfully, Jacob Wool from ESPN and Gray, our uh, favorite support player, is here to, to help us out, you know, help us in, in terms of talking about all these things. So uh, welcome, guys. Like, how are you guys doing? I'm doing all, all right. right. Yeah? Yep. Just, just all right? <laughs> okay. All right. Just All right. Jacob, you? In there. Like, you, 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 uh, you on the road here or are you actually at home?
1: Right yeah, here? no, I, uh, the last two times I've been on the show, this time and the time before, I've been on the road, so this yeah. is uh, interesting. Last time I was in New York and now I'm in Austin, Texas, and I will be back home oh, on Saturday. So it's good. Yeah. Good oh, yeah, 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 I forgot. I forgot <laughs> you were a, a UT man.
0: Yeah, 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 of course, of course. I try to make our way back to Austin. I got to figure out a, an excuse mm-hmm. to get back there, whether it's like South by or. Or DreamHack or something like that. I'm
1: going to South by, so you should come.
0: All right, okay, all right, cool. Sounds good, sounds good. Well, this week, man, what a week. This has been like probably the most jam-packed week because we've had, obviously, the conclusion to Stage 1 of Overwatch League... And then followed immediately by a bunch of player moves, and then now in the last like two or three days we have all the contender announcements. So yep. um, this has been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun to be honest. The subreddit has been wild. It's yeah, you know, in yeah, and that's kind of why you know we we announced that we were going to do not do this every week. We've been doing it basically every week since we said we weren't going to do it every week because there's just so much to talk about. Um, but yeah, also on top of that we've got a developer update. So some changes to PTR, some balance changes. So I can't wait to. Get uh, Gray's opinions on some of those changes, uh, and then we'll go into a uh, recap of Stage One, and then we'll go into all this the player updates and things like that. Before we start, uh, I just want to mention that this episode is sponsored by sixth If you're not uh, familiar with Sixt, it's a rental car company, and it's actually very big, like one of the top rental car companies in Europe. Uh, and they're trying to get started here in the U.S. So, uh, you know, definitely check that out. We'll talk a little bit more about them uh, later in the show. But uh let's talk about the developer update, guys. So Jeff made one of those awesome videos, as always. And um pretty interesting. You know, there's been some talk about you know some balance changes coming. And um I was a bit surprised that this uh PTR is basically gonna or currently has changes to May in Sombra mostly. Uh and then in the developers update, he also talks about um, you know, just brainstorming about sim and torb and and uh, you know, it sounds like they're actually trying to make some of these <laughs> these heroes <laughs> that we don't play at all, you know, more viable. So some people uh, play them. Uh, some yeah, some people play them, but then they get you know, banned. You know, they, they get they get reported <laughs> and they get banned, right? That's how it usually goes. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about um, May, right? Like, um, I don't know any May players here, Jacob. You play May at all?
1: I have played May, but I don't I mean, actually play May, and yes. I don't actively play May in the current meta. That is not my role. So no. <laughs>
0: I don't think I've played May in several metas. It's been a long time since I've played May. Uh, but let's talk to the expert, Gray. What do you think about this May change? So it's it's May freeze is increased. Actually, let me let me show it on the, the oh, yeah. uh, overlay here. Um, so, uh, well, actually, we kind of skipped doing this, but let's just go straight to May since I, I brought it up. Yeah, so basically the endothermic blasters changed. Um, so the slow duration Is uh, increased from one second to 1.5 seconds, which is definitely good. And the weapon alternate ammo cost is reduced from 25 to 20. So you can actually fire it more now. Um, So, what thoughts on that? Like, did May need these things in your opinion?
2: It's hard to tell. I think May is one of those heroes that just a slight tweak might make her go from underpowered to overpowered. Like it happened in the past, like a World Cup, not this year's World Cup, but the one before. May was being played everywhere, and she only received a minor tweak to her ultimate, and bam, she's borderline OP. Then she got nerfed, and she disappears from the meta altogether. Uh, so it's hard to tell. I don't think the ammo change is that big, because May's reload is super fast anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was an ammo change to Zanyata, I'd be like, wow, that's massive, because yeah. it takes 10 days to reload. But <laughs> May's quite fast, so yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. The freeze is what uh, makes me the most intrigued, because... Uh, let's say you have Dueling again GsMA. quite often you don't try to freeze him unless he uses his dash or doesn't have a wall near him or whatever, yeah. but will you actually try to freeze him with these changes? Because even if he dashes away, if it lasts 1.5 seconds, maybe you can close the gap and keep on freezing him until he actually gets froze, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what I find interesting because I'm not sure I haven't tried it myself. But just the playstyle on how you take some duels, some 1v1s, might change. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a very theoretical standpoint, I don't think May will become meta just from these changes. But there's a good chance that she actually will, you know? Yeah. If I had to put my money on somewhere, I'd say she won't become meta just because of this. But I, won't, I wouldn't put too much money, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so That's my, There, there my was a guess. video, there's this Jiffy Cat that was made um, by somebody on the subreddit that talked about just how the left, you know, like her primary fire kind of flows well into the ultimate and then, you know, it flows or just even the left mouse, to the right mouse to the ultimate. So it definitely does feel like at least, um, you know, a, a, a nice um, quality of life kind of change, you know, in terms of like how she, how she can go from one or can maybe combo some of her abilities. Um, but yeah, you know, the, that whole point that you made about Mei just either like one slight change just makes her like OP. That seems to be the case for a lot of yep. heroes. You know, it's like whether it's Mercy or, you know, a lot of a lot of heroes that even recently, you know, we've, we've kind of been tweaking and yeah, changing. Mind. Yeah, so it's tough, man. It's tough, definitely tough being a designer. Um, all right, Sombra. Sombra's the next thing that changed. I think a lot more changed with Sombra uh, in terms of, you know, I, I think a lot of things that we're used to with her. So we've got EMP no uh, no longer blocked by small objects. Wait, what is that? Okay, that's like small stuff, destructibles mostly. Yeah, that's a minor thing. Uh, The hack uh, no longer gains ultimate charge from health pack healing. So that's huge because that was like the main source of, of charging her ultimate changes everything yeah yeah um so let's kind of like maybe go through them all and then we'll kind of talk about it as a as a whole yeah, sure. uh cast time for hack is reduced so you, you can actually pull it <laughs> off but like a lot quicker now in, in battle and engaging um let's see now this enables the following abilities uh, these are new like cyber agility the wall climb for hanzo hover jets <laughs> that's kind of wow fair not being on to fly is, is kind of crazy uh angelic descent well right so yeah a few of these things that you know basically didn't affect before um the pistols uh the spreads reduced a little bit um you know just to make it a little uh you know just a little bit more accurate right and then opportunist which is a big you know which is the thing that she could see, basically wall hack she could always see like the health bars uh whenever uh, an opponent drops below 50 percent uh now i don't think that change wait see health bar now is visible when Um, so the health bars show up now whenever, you know, anybody's damaged basically, but I think the, her ability to see through walls is still the same, right? Yeah. It's still 50. Yeah. still still 50. 50. Okay. And then lastly, the translocator. So the duration of it is, uh, five seconds longer. So basically it could sit where it sits for an additional five seconds. Um, so yeah, yeah. Overall, I mean, what do you think?
2: Uh, I love the change, these changes, like, a lot. That first bullet point no longer gains ultimate charge from health pack hacking oh God, it's- is so good. Like, the game becomes so much more fun to play because it's just awkward. You go tell the, yo, Winston, can you go face tank some bullets in the face and come back and grab a health pack? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, sounded, that yeah. sounds so dumb. And then, even from uh, the attacking team, there's so much way that that health pack charge thing can be abused. Let's say, a lot of teams you use to use as a strategy. Alright guys, we're gonna go in, we're gonna tank the EMP, and then we're gonna die without shooting anybody because we don't want to give it another EMP. First of all, this is just not design. right? design. Like, let's okay. go and let's not shoot. Second of all, this could be abused so hard. Like, the teams with the Sombra could be like, yo, it's really obvious, they just want to eco-push, so I will not EMP. And yeah. they will be like, what do we do now, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, this yeah. changes
2: everything from a strategy, strategy standpoint in a really good way. Yeah. And uh, I think right now, I think somebody's a really high skill ceiling hero and a really fun to play hero. Of course, I'm biased because I play her a lot. <laughs> but uh, I think right now, because of how powerful the MP is, MP is broken, it's one of the best ultimates in the game, mm-hmm. you could be uh, average, Sombra player, and still have a really high impact simply because you have ultimate every two fights, it's not a hard ultimate to use, and it's really strong. So shifting power away from her ultimate, first of all, decreasing the frequency with you have the ultimate, and shifting power from her ultimate into the rest of her kit that requires way more skill to pull off than the ultimate is a really good change. Any change that widens the gap between good and great yeah. is a good change, in my, in my
0: opinion. Is Sombra like is Sombra one of those characters you like to watch, Jacob? Like during like these broadcasts? Like I feel like I don't even notice Sombra half the time. You know, it's like, yeah, the hacks happen, but you know, that's about it. I don't know if you have the same reaction to that.
1: I kind of do feel the same way, and I actually kinda like the hack changes, particularly what it disables now, because you you can pin people, right? Like in in other games, this is something that you you see as well. And certainly some of the games that that Overwatch takes inspiration from, but I, I like the fact that it disables some of these um, abilities that'll let the character kind of run away, because you can pin them. Uh, you can pin them in a circle, and, like, if you yeah. throw another ultimate in there that's, uh, like, an a- area of effect ultimate that hits in a circle or hits in a box, uh, then I, I kind of like that, because now Sombra can go in with whoever is throwing that in there, yeah. whether it be, like, a May ulti, or whether it be something else that that hits in a circle, so... Uh, yeah, I haven't noticed a lot of Sombra, but I think this might make us see a little bit more of it. These changes,
0: I actually think that Sombra is a very interesting hero to watch from POV. You know, so getting away from the EMP is definitely, I think, right up the alley. Absolutely. Which we'll make. You know, like you said, the skill cap will be higher, and I think it'll, it'll show just how how just mm-hmm. just more interesting plays in terms of hacks and things like that. So, do you do you think? With the change, you know, with the um, uh, the additions to the toolkit, that she's actually better than she used to be, or do you okay. th- like? What so, are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, first of all, regardless of whether she's good or bad, I think the changes are in a really good direction. Yeah, for sure, and yeah. then it's just a matter of tweaking the numbers. If she's overpowered or underpowered, just change the numbers around make the gun better, worse, make hack better, worse, doesn't matter. Yeah. But the direction they are going is really healthy for the game and really good for some players, in my opinion. On whether she will be worse or better, I think that uh, in the maps that you conventionally play her, like Anubis and Volskaya, she might be worse. She might be worse simply because um, it's so easy for your tanks to take poke damage, come back and heal up. There's such, you can literally go into the enemy spawn, take damage, jump back, and there's no way you get chased and killed. For example, on Anubis, you can stay up there, just yeah. saying hello, take damage, and heal up, you know? So you can't abuse this mechanic anymore at yeah, all. That's true. However, in maps where she has seen play, but she's not like a default, for example, on Route 66, some teams play her on defense. It's not a default, but it's a possibility. Um, I used to play her in Gibraltar as well when I was with Cloud9. Uh, I think in this map she will be much stronger because you can't abuse this EMP farming the same way. Like, if you try to farm EMP before the fight begins in any of these maps, they will chase you and kill you before you even get to the health pack, you know? Yeah. So, in these maps where the uh, EMP farming is not as impactful, I think she will be stronger for sure.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm really excited about this. I just. I'm just curious. You know, definitely, it's a good change. It's just a matter of, well, will we actually see her more now or not? You know, and, and I think that's uh, really going to be you know something that the players are going to have to experiment with with more i just de- i definitely do want to see more individual hacks you know I, I think making plays off a single hack you know it was one of the things that a lot of people talked about in the, in the beginning you know whether it was like hacking reinhardt or you know anything like that right to really um in uh, to initiate battles so if we can start seeing that a little bit more maybe it's like you know hacking a freaking farah and just farah can even fly you know that that'd be amazing to see like that that just kind of starts off like you know the um the crazy picks because you know remember mercy's crazy rezzing is going to be gone you know like we're not gonna you know if if you get some early picks those those are gonna have huge impacts now
2: that's the thing i will say the the
1: one big thing that i i have heard from a lot of people that have tried to spectate overwatch more than play is um, that it can get boring from the limited number of hero pools. For so for both the changes of May and Sombra and trying to expand their current roster to actually be viable in a competitive meta, I think is actually a good idea. So I I kind of like that they're addressing these two characters that get lower amounts of play, particularly May. But um, to kind of see them come back in the meta and make games more diverse in terms of character selection.
0: Yeah. yeah so you know what the opportunity is? Is it that big a deal to see the health bars? No. Like I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure. Like I, no. I, I kind of understand. That's more like quality of life thing, right, than anything else. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, cool. Uh, you,
2: you don't, even like from a pro player point of view. You don't like you call targets. You say like Winston is low, but Winston is half HP. You don't say Winston is seventy five percent HP. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yeah. Anything,
2: anything below fifty percent, it's exactly as it used to be. So, sure, it's a buff. It's a buff, but it's not a big deal. It's not a big change. I don't yeah. think so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, there was a small change to Doomfist, too, that I forgot to mention. So, the hand canning. So, the uh, the recovery rate is actually increased uh, from 8, 0.8 seconds to 0. 0.65 per bullet. So, he can fire faster now, basically, right? Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, it's good. And I, I think that... Uh, Doomfist is another one of these characters that you have to be really careful about because you yeah. could just be stupid broken. And I think he I don't know, what do you think, right? Like he's he's really close to being played, right? Like
2: Yeah, I think I think you will see him play in stage two, maybe, because the thing about Doomfist is that the entire hero is about bursts and peaks, right? You don't really go for consistent damage on mm-hmm, Doomfist. Right. It's probably the worst hero in the entire game for consistent damage, you know? Yeah. Even heroes like Kenji and Tracer that you think about killing supports and stuff, they still provide way better consistent damage and tanks and stuff. And in a Mercy meta, picks are simply not as big unless you have something that can get the Mercy herself, but that's hard. So I think Mercy not being picked as often is an indirect buff to Doomfist. Mm. Junkrat getting nerfed is an indirect buff to Doomfist. Mercy getting nerfed is an indirect nerf to Shankrat as well. <laughs> right, so right. it's not just a Shankret nerf in itself, Mercy getting nerfed makes Shankrat weaker. So all these changes make Doomfist way well easier to play. Not that the hero becomes easier, but he doesn't get punished as hard by the, the picks on the enemy team.
0: Alright, who's the best Doomfist in right now? Like do we know? Mm. He's <laughs> the best Doomfist. Hmm. Who's- I kind of want to say
2: Chipsa, but just because he's a lad. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know,
0: Chipsa. Chipsa actually. Chipsa would be pretty darn up there. I yeah. kind of
2: want to say Chipsa. What's amazing about Chipsa is that it's not just the raw mechanical skill he pulls off on the hero, mm-hmm. but uh, the experimentation, he's done with it, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, he's like and... gone full out.
2: Yeah, somebody yeah, he's definitely running around custom maps, just checking. Oh, I can abuse this little hump? Cool. Yeah. You know, just this cool tech moves.
0: Yeah. Definitely changing levels, how, how you even just move, right? Just the mobility of yeah. it. Like whenever you've discovered all those things, it's it's more of a fluid thing with uh yeah, really, really cool. Okay, well, um why don't we move on? Why don't we talk about uh, some OWL now? So um it's Woo-hoo. Uh, was that? <laughs> yeah, that's what Jake has been waiting for, man. He's been like, dude, come on man, like what you can bring me on the show to talk no, about. I, like, I, MTR, I will say on the, the note hell, on dude. the nude
1: on the note of Doomfist, everything I heard about Hydration before I heard that he got on uh Overwatch League team was Doomfist, Doomfist, Doomfist. So I, yeah. I'm gonna have to go with Hydration.
0: Yeah, Hydration's definitely shown some effect too. Effect's played a little bit too through um just yeah. throwing them in like in the middle of a map sometimes. Uh so Definitely seen that. But week five, guys. So we concluded, it's week five plus the playoffs, really. We concluded stage one of Overwatch League. And um, it was really, really cool to really see a complete, you know, kind of season. You know, other probably esports call it more of a season type of breakup. Uh, And, you know, we're able actually to see a play, you know, just an end of playoffs with a giant prize at the end of this, too. And boy, man, that race for the playoffs in the last, you know, really couple weeks was just exciting. You know, we talked about week yeah, was- four last week, but man, week five was, I mean, I don't, I don't think it could have played out any better in terms of how close every single game was. We we had days that were just three twos. So um, uh, in the end, you know, we ended up seeing um, Houston, Nixle, and London get into the playoffs. But, you know, that Houston-Boston, I think, matchup was maybe one of the best matchups. I mean, you could arguably say that was the best match of the season, you know, just between two two uh, teams that were evenly matched. And, I mean, they had a lot on the line, too. You know, and uh, I, I think uh, that one had a lot of hype, too, behind it. Just Houston, You know, Houston has just got a lot of fans. And Boston's obviously got this growing fan, um, just fan base now, too. So, I think that was probably my favorite match of the week. How about you guys? Like, w- which matches, like, stood out or were your favorites of uh, Week 5?
1: Gray, you want to go first? Either, either of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go business. ahead.
0: Like, I've like, talked too
1: much already. No, I was I was going to say the same matchup too: Boston versus Houston. And uh, so I interviewed Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft a, a few weeks ago, and they said to me that they thought that Huck, when they first met him, was their Bill Belichick in terms of roster building and ter- in terms yeah. of Overwatch. And I actually thought like because this was before we had seen Boston play a lot, and I was very much was like. Questioning that in the back of my head, I was like, I think
0: all all of us were questioning. Let's just be honest, we were all questioning that.
1: Like, I know Huck is a good dude, and I, I trust his judgment in a lot of things, but I like that's a pretty big claim to compare him to one of the best coaches to ever coach the game of football. So, um, I will say though, after that match and after their kind of surprise ending, I guess, to stage one. Uh, that Boston team was a lot better than I expected. I was wrong in thinking that that they weren't that great when when the season first started. I knew they weren't as bad as a lot of people in the community made them out to be because a lot of players said that they were much better than that. But um, I, I definitely had doubted them a little bit before that. So uh, hats off to them. That was a really good match. I agree with you.
2: Gray, how about you, man? I think just to add on to what Shaker just said, I think that's what makes Boston so cool, right? Everybody was underestimating them. Everybody. (laughs) Even like, I don't think... I actually thought they would be good, but still not as good as they were, you know? Like, uh, even the people who thought... uh, I mean, even the people who didn't think, wow, they're going to be really bad, no one thought they would be fourth place at all. When there's powerhouses, like, they were fourth place,
0: right? Yeah, they are fourth place. Yeah. Or if they're not, they were definitely the fourth. I mean, yeah. fourth place. When there were
2: yeah. powerhouses, like uh, Dallas picking up the angels, Ross roster, so v- Valiant and stuff, no one ever expected Boston to do so well. So it's really exciting. It's like a Cinderella story, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, I'll be, so, the, first so- to, I'll be the first to say, too, I was definitely wrong, especially about Huck, too. You know, I think that... You know, him, him as a, you know, I, they call him president, but I mean, GM, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, he's done an
1: operations uh, manager, an operations what, man. what <laughs> I was told originally, he's done a great a title. job,
0: he's done a great job, like, r- regardless, and you know, a, a lot of it, you know, one of the things that, that a lot of people criticized was just the roster. And, you know, they had a very specific process, you know, it was one of those processes where they tried out everybody, it was, it was actually pretty different than what Houston did. Um, and you know, he basically, and there
1: were a up. lot of people in this league just paying tons of money too. And they were not one of them. Yeah. Uh, at the very beginning, they were very heavily criticized among the player base for paying rather low salaries, but it didn't matter. They knew what they wanted. So,
0: yeah, that's where the bill Belichick aspect comes in. I think yeah. so, definitely <laughs> very smart with their money. And I mean, the, the biggest thing I, I got from the team was just, you know, picking character, I think was a huge part of their process. And, you know, picking definitely a bunch of players that will obviously work together, will, you know, want to improve together and develop together. It was one of the biggest things they wanted to do. And clearly, you know, like, I think you've seen that. You've seen this team grow, like, incredibly fast. I mean, they started the season just so-so. I mean, they didn't start off, like, with guns blazing or anything. They were definitely one of the bottom teams, like, after the first three or four games. And then, like, I think it was week three, it just turned around, like, in a big way. I thought they beat Boston, or London, and then... Um, you know, things just, people started looking at them in a different light and then it just even, you know, climbed even more, you know, going into the, the end of the season. So, um, yeah, in the end that, that Houston Boston match, I felt like they were just evenly matched. I think the, uh, Boston came in probably more game planned and and prepared, you know, for Houston than vice versa. I think Houston just like was playing their game and they thought that was going to be good enough to beat Boston just from what they've seen. Um, but we actually saw different types of lineups from Boston. That's kind of like what I'm deriving it from. And um, because of that, I think that's why it was like really, really close. They had some amazing, I think the tanks for Boston outplayed the tanks from Houston the first Couple games, which is saying a lot, <laughs> because the Houston tanks are amazing, uh, and then it kind of like you know I think the Houston team kind of got it together towards the end, uh, and you know ended up winning three two, but that was awesome. And the Valiant too, you know we had you know Valiant was actually in the mix after Soul just mm-hmm. dropped off, which is another storyline. Um, you know the Valiant was actually sitting there. And if Boston would have won 3-2, the value would have got in, and Boston and Houston would have been sitting on the the sidelines. So, um, you know, every one of those maps ended up mattering in that that series. I think that's why it was so intriguing. Uh, But let's talk about Seoul. So Seoul was by far the favorite going into Stage 1, and, um, you know, like, seeing where they ended up placing, which was 6th, I believe. I think that's Mm -hmm. correct.
2: Yeah, um, I think uh, the teams that didn't make playoffs were all uh, me see. 7 three or six fifth five. fifth fifth?
0: Person. Okay, yeah. he was officially fifth, okay. Um how did this? how did they end up fifth? Because I mean Boston and Houston basically controlled their okay they anyways. lost
1: to Los Angeles, yeah, they, they lost to London and they lost to uh and I remember them losing to New York as well. So
0: Yeah. Uh, anyways, fifth, sixth, Just that they you lost know, many games so, in a row, I think. Somewhere in there, yeah. Um whatever it was it was not even close to what expectations were. I mean I think everybody would have bet a lot of money they would at least have made the playoffs. So not even making the playoffs, you know, losing obviously uh that you know this last final week that really did them in the you know um, I I think that was super surprising. And then we just kind of saw that you know this team actually has a lot of issues at least with the current meta. Um they just had some holes that they never really filled. And they were still trying to figure out, you know, lineups and things like that, even going into the final week. So, um, yeah, Gray, what was your thoughts on Seoul? Like, what would you take from that? Yeah. I think there are many things that are happening. Like, you mentioned the, the rosters they
2: play. They were still trying to figure that out, mm-hmm. even in the later weeks. And that definitely hurt them. But then again, that kind of happened with Spitfire as well. Like, they all mm-hmm. even, even, like, for example, against uh, Otlos, against Otlos in the regular match, not on playoffs. They played a completely different lineup than they played in the playoffs, I mm-hmm. believe. So that that can't be just it because Spitfire did the same and they won stage one. But I think it's hard to pin it on just one person. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I think Obi on Mercy is a big not a liability. It's just that he is hands down probably the best Lucio to ever have touched this video game. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I, absolutely and just putting him away from Lucy, it's not that he's a terrible Mercy, he's not. He's not been up to par with the other ones, I don't think so. And his synergy with uh, Ryuji Hong has not been even close to Hark and uh, Jarnak's synergy. Mm-hmm. That's just beautiful to watch. But it just, it's both things. It's, his Mercy is not as good, and his Lucio is way better than the rest. So yeah. if he has to play Mercy instead of Lucy, it's just seal a. Uh, we base seal strength based on old Lunatic High, right? Mm-hmm. And old Lunatic High's strength was always the support line. Roshan, Zen, Zen and Toby's Lucio—they would move mountains with this uh, back line. They would win 2v4s, 2v5s. It was ridiculous, and they simply couldn't do that with um, with the new support lineups. You'll go into. Yeah, of course, it's just one of the struggles, but as a support player, it's the one that's that I noticed the most. I think.
0: yeah so that, i mean that's the big thing right uh, so jacob you, you know going into the season um yeah you know, we kind of knew this was going to be a mercy meta and they clearly didn't ever have a mercy specialist i just figured they were going to eventually get one but they never did and i think that's what ended up costing them the, in the end because you saw some really good mercies um especially the teams that beat them they just they just were much better uh so why didn't they make any moves jacob i mean were they trying to get immersed Did you you know maybe anything in the background that they that might have been going on and maybe fell through
1: they were one of the first rosters to actually be pretty locked up too aside from a couple of additions and i mean we we do see they're about to make some changes right like it's been reported that they're gonna pick up another support player so maybe maybe there's the opportunity to be better and more diverse in their support role in stage two but um yeah, I mean, it, they were pretty set on what, what they had. I don't know if it was that they completely missed what the meta was going to be. I thought the meta was already headed towards that by the time the yeah, roster up I in October October and, yeah. October and November. Like, I I think we all probably could have predicted that Mercy was going to be viable and really strong uh, starting December, January. So, um, yeah, I, d- I don't know, actually. Like, they, they kind of just... They were very disappointing to me, uh, as were the fuel. And... Um, I don't know. Like like Gray said, we base we base their strengths off of previous uh previous teams, Lunatic High and MB, and both were extremely disappointing and have had to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what they have to do because they they quickly acquired really good players on both teams and, and yeah. very much did not succeed as they should have.
0: Yeah, the whole I think premise of the teams that were already pre built going into the the league, having an advantage over the others quickly went away. I mean, it almost instantly went away. It wasn't even a, an issue, you know, because we saw Dallas, like, losing right off the bat. So, um, yeah. you know, it, Dallas was another thing I think we should, t- we should talk about. They just had, you know, basically a, an up-and-down season, mostly down because of expectations. Um, but, you know, they they did show some signs of improvement at the end, which was kind of good to see uh, because they potentially could have finished as the second well, maybe not. Maybe the third. They were probably guaranteed to be tenth, tenth, regardless of if they would have, you know, finished one and nine or not. But um, you know, having them be one of the worst teams. I mean, the bottom. We've seen mayhem and the dragons. I think a lot of people would have, uh, you know, or some people predicted, you know, those two teams being in the bottom. Uh, but never would we have guessed Dallas would be there. I think probably worst right. case Dallas would be like sixth or something like that.
1: Yeah, that was my prediction when when I went to preseason and I got to see all the teams play and got to talk to some of the people around it. My my biggest takeaway was that Houston was underrated because a lot of people rated them like 7th or 8th of all of them. And then Dallas was overrated because everybody was rating the top three. And that was like my big takeaway from preseason. And uh, I was right on both. But like Dallas was much worse than I had anticipated. <laughs> I expected like at worst 7th. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So, biggest problems with Dallas Gray? I mean, they they clearly showed a lot of issues, and they were trying to to mix and match people, move people to different roles. Yeah. And um, what's in the end, what is your diagnosis for, I for Dallas? I think um, towards the beginning of the season, they
2: were experimenting a lot with uh, who plays what and when, like swapping players in and out all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is good, as you have to experiment, you have to make sure you have something that works. But the way I see it, once they started fielding more and more of the old Envious uh, court, mostly like making Harry Hook play 24-7 instead of subbing him in and out, they started doing better. They, They kept on losing games, but if you think about it, the schedule became way harder for them towards the end. Like... Uh, the late, the teams that they played towards the end were the strongest, I believe. But they started doing better. They kept losing the series, but they started not looking really bad. I think in the beginning, when they were making all these swaps, that's when they looked their weakest. When they started fielding a card of four, never swapping them out, Riley, mm-hmm. and just swapping out one or two players, I think they started doing much better. Their doesn't. Their, uh, their score at the end does not reflect that. But then again, they play the hardest teams towards the end, you know? Yeah. If they had played from the, with Discord from the beginning, I think they could have done better. Still, I think they would have done worse than most people were expecting. I would put them top four easily before yeah. anything happened. But I think they will do better than top ten. Yeah. I, because I, I, after they stopped swapping so much, they started doing better. They kept losing, but watching the matches, you could tell it was way less one-sided.
0: So. Yeah, I, I agree with. It. I mean, I, I feel like as as a whole, you know, At the end, when they were stabilizing their their lineup, some, um, you know, they were playing better. There were even added factors. You know, I think Timu lost some confidence somewhere in there, um, you know, and he was able to get it back towards the end here and just kind of get that swagger back. And it, it had a lot to do with drilling and practice, to be honest. So you know, I think that Tommy's probably going to ride the ship. Whether he keeps playing like Widow and stuff, who knows? But you know, definitely flex or or. DPS, he's definitely available there, uh, but even just like the the tanks, I, I think their tanks were not nearly as good as the other tanks in the league. Um, mercy was an issue for them too. Uh, I, I don't think that you know they had uh, like you know whether it was chips or you know whoever play, trying to play mercy, it, it it just didn't work out for them, right? I'm, I mean Custa too, right? I mean Custa, I think started off the season really, really you know looking super promising for them, and then like it's kind of fig- hard to figure out where to put them in, you know, after they went to this Envy lineup again, right? So um, it, it, I think they didn't quite figure out things. They had pieces. They just didn't have, like, the best-in-the-league
2: pieces, you know? And, and it's I think... Tough. Yeah. It's tough to figure out how you want to, like... Uh, I say this because I play Zenyatta myself a lot, right? And mm-hmm. playing Zenyatta in a Murtsy meta, I play Zenyatta in a Lucio meta. It's like playing a completely different
0: hero. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, the way you position yourself, the duels you go for, the fights you... you, you mm-hmm. You dodge. It's so different. Like, it's mind-blowingly different. Yeah. And uh, you don't get this experience from solo queue. You don't. Your matchy doesn't care about you in solo queue. So you have to have the scrim experience. That They are all amazing players with amazing experience. But if you keep changing your any other player every week, and I'm assuming you do the same in scrims, it's not going to adapt, you know? And I look like I look at Harry Hook. He's probably one of the players with the best aim in the game. We've all seen his soldier. His soldier is amazing. So his Zenyatta is gonna be amazing. Zenyatta is a hero that's based on aim, but he made a lot of positional mistakes all the time, Mm -hmm. or just uh, misusing his ultimate. And it's not because he's a bad Zenyatta. He's played Zenyatta before in Lucio Meta when they would play Ana Zen and things like that. But he clearly did not have much experience playing Zenyatta alongside the Mercy. And probably the same could be said for Custer. Probably the same could be said for ships because they kept swapping them around. (laughs) So, you know, like, how do you know your limits? Okay, the Tracer is shooting at me, but I'm getting healed by my mercy. Should I prop Trank? Should I I not? Mm -hmm. You need this experience to know how hard you can push your buttons. And if you keep swapping them, then you won't get it. I think that was
0: the main issue, really. It sounds like they just went to this kind of adjusting type of strategy, you know, like where you can literally move interchangeable parts a little too early. You know, like I think it's, that's kind of a strategy you can work towards once you actually have a foundational type of lineup. You know, we talked about that maybe even a couple of weeks, you know, le- before this, uh, just the ideal way to play overwatch and overwatch league, you know, it, it has to be a progressive thing. You can't just like automatically jump in and have these like, you know, amazing pieces you can throw in whenever you want, or depending on the map and things like that, you have to kind of work towards that. Um, uh, in terms of the you know London Spitfire, obviously winter stage one, just like an exciting ride to be honest, for for yep. London, especially on the last day. But you know London to begin to start off the season, they were just kind of like, oh, it's the third Korean team. You know, it's like <laughs> for some reason on paper they should be the best, given that GC Busan won. You know the last apex that you know that all these players were playing in. Uh, so. It was a little bit of a conundrum as to why they weren't performing as at such a high level, given that the roster that they had, they had t- basically 10, 12 players that were the, some of the best players in the world. So like, why can't you make this work? Right. Or why don't you just play in the GC Busan roster? You know, and, and it's always been kind of a mix. So, yeah. What, what do you guys think of that, Jacob? What do you think the, the progression for London Spitfire has been um, during the stage one?
1: I think they finally got it, right? Like, they were, in preseason, when I first saw them play, they were switching out lineups. So they would do Kongdu-Panthera lineup on one, and then they would do GC-Person on the other, and they would switch them depending on the map play, and or the map being played, the type of game being played, and what they were most comfortable with. And then they would throw in Fury and Nuss as well to, to kind of complement, because obviously it was only four of the KDP roster that they ended up getting. Yeah, um, They seemed to have finally successfully integrated both teams to one another probably best illustrated by profit and bird Ring playing together which was not a thing and obviously we see them moving on from a couple of those players as well that they don't need um yeah i think i think really like by the end of the the stage i felt like they had finally really figured out how to integrate both teams together and make make them one coherent line up rather than two separate teams that were being played based off what map or game type was most comfortable for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, they basically had overlaps on every position because they had two teams that were basically mixed, right? Yeah. So they had literally a first, like, they could go like 1A, 1B, like at every single position.
1: And they uh, scrimmed each other too as well. That, yeah. that was a big thing uh, yeah. when they first when they first moved to America is they were scrimming against each other in-house. They weren't scrimming against a lot of the other teams at first.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, That's a big deal. Yeah, great. What what are your thoughts on London and how they've, you know, kind of been able to finally meld together?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty much what Jacob said. It's just throughout time they filled one roster, then the other roster, and eventually they made the two rosters work together, and it became great. I also think um, many of the players, especially the DPSs, are really tricky players. Like not tricky, but. Um, I don't know. It just feels some days some days they sleep well, some days they don't. Like, yeah. For example, Houston versus versus Spitfire in the regular match, not yeah, the right playoffs.
0: Here. Yeah, right here. Prophet
2: was Profit was not playing well at all, man. He was not. <laughs> That's true. And then come playoffs and he's playing them again and they
0: had one map down i believe they lost the first map in the playoffs yeah they lost the, yeah they lost anubis right um yeah. and then
2: and profit just had this map no, moment no, where he said dorado
0: dorado yeah yeah
2: they yeah. lost dorado and then profit just had this anime moment where he's like i'm not losing this series and he popped <laughs> off the yeah. rest of playoffs he popped off and just two days prior he was playing like pretty subpart to what he usually plays, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. If they, can, if they can fix their consistency, they will be easily top one, I believe.
0: Yeah. I, I mean,
2: think N- NYXL has the most uh, flashy players, like Pine. Mm-hmm. Watching mm-hmm. Pine is yeah. a montage.
1: And mm-hmm. funny, right? Like, the London players aren't... They don't put themselves out uh, there as much as someone like Pine yeah. does. Pine is a yeah. character.
0: Yeah. Well, Widow players, too. Like, when Widow goes off, that probably is the most accessible thing. It's the easiest thing to understand. Yeah. And, I mean, everybody yeah, goes definitely. nuts, all right, just sniping. Um, so, yeah, Pine's huge. And Joanak, too, he's, like, super flashy Zen. I mean, when he's a fragger, fragging Zen is always going to be super, super <laughs> popular. Uh, but to your point, yeah, Profit like, their first two matches, even the first match against, like, uh, NYX or Nixle, it mm-hmm. is a totally different team, you know? And then... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you saw the turnaround, and it started in the playoffs. Like, actually, game two, like of the Outlaws. Once that happened, I think the Outlaws had a little bit of a letdown too. Uh, the the mixing of the map order, I think, didn't benefit them as much. Um, you know, like I, I don't know, it's something about that. I, I think felt I don't know if it was fatigue or what, but they didn't look the same. And and I I think just overall with Outlaws, they, you know, like Jake didn't land a single tire i i felt like he didn't <laughs> land like he made a landed one like the entire day yeah. it, it was kind of you know i wasn't sure if it was more the teams were just more aware or if he was just a little bit off and, and even just the the routes that he took but those tires are huge for their success i mean they they are a big part of why they're sure. they doing well yeah so something happened there it just in that in that outlaws match and you know they had, it was crazy emotion when they beat boston i mean that was like a super high. So it, it, it might've had something to do with that too. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the biggest surprises for you, maybe let's give maybe some quick awards for biggest surprises or, or just good surprises. And then, you know, um, uh, just team wise, like is, is it Boston? Boston's clearly going to be up there, I think for a lot of people, but any kind of uh, other teams that you would probably give that award to?
2: Pleasant surprises, or
0: the... Yeah, pleasant yeah. surprises. Let's go pleasant surprises. Pleasant we already surprises. talked about, like, disappointments. Boston
2: is yeah. the clear, they take the first place yes. in this regard, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, actually.
1: I thought Philadelphia was a little better than I expected,
2: to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah, they than I
1: expected. Yeah. Really? I was going
2: oh, to mention Philly when I asked about unpleasant surprises. <laughs> you thought they, they were, were going to be unexpected. better.
1: Wow. Okay. My, my, my most unpleasant surprise was probably Florida. I thought they were bad, but not that bad. Yeah.
0: Florida was I, yeah. Unfortunate. <laughs> they weren't a surprise for me, though. Like, I mean, there's a six man roster. I mean, it, it was going mm-hmm. to be a rough ride. Uh, a little. Yeah.
1: Yes, They'll get don't. better.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I don't think. Surely having a six-man roster makes it harder for you, but I don't think you can put that much weight into it. Look at Outlaws. Outlaws has fielded the same six players for, what, three weeks in a row, or four weeks in a row? 90% of Overwatch League mm-hmm. was the same six players for Outlaws as well, you know? So, sure, it has the weight, but yeah. oh, I don't there's think more that's the,
0: that's, yeah. that's not the root or yeah. the main issue. There were definitely right. more issues, too, but... I mean, I think just like going into it, just seeing that it was a six man and that, I mean, I, I didn't even really anticipate how bad even just getting sick in the flu would, you know, affect actually some of these <laughs> yeah, matches too. But, sure. you know, that on top of, you know, just not having margin for error, like you better have picked yeah. this right six guys. You know, yeah, Atlas had at least eight yeah, guys that they sure. could, you know, figure out. But,
2: they could experiment and figure it out. Yeah, that's
0: I mean, you, sure. you know, and unfortunately, I don't think they did have this, the right six guys. You know, they didn't have like six of the best players at their positions. So that's kind of how it came out. I think they're looking better. They looked better. The the mayhem looked mm-hmm. better in the last Definitely. couple of games. Yeah. So and um obviously there there's some additions that we're about to talk about too that I think will help them in a big way. Um yeah, so I, I think the outlaws, for me, the outlaws weren't a surprise, but I, I know the outlaws are probably a big surprise for a lot of other folks. But you know, I had high hopes for them. I, I just liked how they were built. You know, like this meta was very, yeah. very tank and you know, support centric. So Um, you know, Lynxer and Jake had a big part of their success too, but, you know, I feel like the DPS relativity isn't nearly as high as the, Mm -hmm. you know, the tank relativity in terms in the support relativity of the teams that are doing super well right now. Um,
1: I feel like a lot of people just, uh, kind of slept on, uh, Houston and Los Angeles, the gladiators, not the Valiant. Um, I think both were, uh, I would say they were better than than the community expected. I both expected them to at least put up a fight in certain matches, so, yeah.
0: yeah. We have to remember that Houston lost their first two matches, too. So, people were, you know, were wondering what the heck was going on. People were even lower on them after Week 1. They turned that around. The preseason match against
1: Dallas was actually really good, though. Mm -hmm. That was a good match to, to watch, so...
0: They were always that team that just could not quite have a breakout. Like, every... You know, like I, I had high hopes for them, but they could just never get that breakout match. And then, and then Lynxer got sick, right? Again, Seoul. So they just like, they got pushed out even further. So I'm glad they were at least able to beat London and get into the playoffs and, you know, really establish themselves there. We'll see what the new meta, like, spells for them. Like, the new meta is going to change everything. Like, I, it's going to be hard to, to pull. I don't know, but like, Gray, what's your opinion on that? You think the new meta is going to change the standings, like, in a big way? Not in a big way. I don't think
2: in a big way. I think, um, I think the teams that struggle with Mercy will be better, for sure. The Mm -hmm. two that immediately come to mind are Seal and Dallas. I think these two teams will, for these two, it might change a lot, especially Dallas. Yeah. Not having a Mercy centric matter might help them, like, a lot, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think things won't change as much without loss. They won't abuse the Jake right as much, but I'm sure Jake will still play a lot of Junkrat. He's still strong. He's just not borderline broken, but he's still strong. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Outlaws might struggle a little bit because I still don't have a hyper-carry kind of Tracer player. And Tracer is always good, be it with tanks, be it with dive, yeah. Whatever, Tracer is always good. However, Linkser is just a monster of a player. He's really talented. Right now, he's not a hyper-carry Tracer. In one month, he might be. If that's if that's the team's goal, if they're like, "Yo, you want to play Jake Links at all the time, so Links at grind that hero," he will be. I'm sure he will. He's really good at the game. But uh, if they don't, they might struggle. That's that's the one weakness that Houston has right now, in my yeah. opinion, is not having a high carry Tracer player.
0: I mean, Clockwork's Which, been a lot I mean he's been trying to play a lot of Tracer too right I mean Clockwork gets mm. shit on so much like and, and I think oh I mean I'm glad that he was able to like calm some of those you know some of the negativity toward him you know di- during the week that they ended up winning mm-hmm. with him but um I've seen him play Tracer on his stream like he's actually a pretty good Tracer too I, I don't know if he gets to just practice Tracer or not um but can he be one of the best ones Pro- probably not yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Linkster can't be everywhere either. So, I mean, Linkster, like, <laughs> e- even if he is a hyper tracer, who's going to be playing, you know, the, the yeah, DPS alongside the him? The McCrae's, yeah. Again, I mean, geez. he's one of the best at hitscan. So, I I'd hate to take him off that right now.
2: So, that's the thing. The moment mm-hmm. that the pulse bomb kill stays a kill and mm-hmm. not a rest,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: I think Outlaws uh, right. might
0: struggle a little bit. Yeah, that's a good that's, point. That's a- all right, well, we're going to move on to some uh, player news. And, I mean, maybe, Jake, you, Jacob, you can, like, walk us through some of these because I know you've been following yeah. really closely. Oh, but uh, before we do, I just want to mention that we're sponsored by Sixth, uh, to, uh, a rental car company, if you guys aren't familiar with them. And um, they are just a really great uh, rental car company that – a lot of folks in the U.S. don't know about yet because their they're brand's still trying to get going here in the U.S. They're like the number one or two rental company, or car company in Europe, so they're a huge company. Um, the biggest thing for Six that I've actually experienced myself, too, is that you can get, like, luxury cars for the price of, like, you know, you know, just your your average you know, cheap cars, right? Uh, so you can rent like super super nice cars for for what you would normally pay for, you know, like a Toyota or something like that. So um, you know, right now they're doing this awesome Valentine's campaign. So you know, I know it's like a day after Valentine's, but you know, if you're like me, I always celebrate Valentine's the day after, so that I don't get charged like gouged at restaurants and crap like that. You know, <laughs> because when you go to restaurants during Valentine's, they just they just double their prices for no reason i don 't know if you 've experienced that i don 't know jacob or or gray, yes yeah so uh, it 's kind of kind of crazy anyways if you 're doing the valentine 's day today go go rent a nice car you know have a, a great night on the town by going to sixth. And, uh, you know, you'll be happy with the customer service and everything that they have over there. I've, I've, you know, used them already just for my trip over to California. And it was the first time I actually even found six because I, I sorted by price and I was like, Oh yeah, let's go with the cheapest one. and Let's try this out. And they ended up being wonderful. And of course they're sponsoring the show. So, um, you know, definitely give them the shout out, give them a try and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll sponsor some more of, uh, just content in esports. All right. News. Let's go with player news. Oh my God, there's so much player news. Uh, it's it's been amazing, but kind of starting off with maybe some um, uh, trades and and maybe some pickups. You know, we speculated on whether there'd be a lot of trades uh, the, the last week or two. We didn't actually think there would be that many because, you know, we we weren't seeing like who had excess talent. You know, that other teams would want. We were probably kind of dumb in that regard because clearly London has a ton of talent on their team, you know, because I mean they have basically, you know, like we were saying before, two extremely talented Korean teams that were that were Um but uh kind of talking about just maybe some pickups, let's start off with the fuel. Yeah, Jacob, why don't you lead us through this a little bit um with the fuel.
1: Yeah, so weeks ago we knew they were gonna uh, add AKM. That was like not that much of a secret. Uh they've had him out even in California, I think, for about Two and a half, three weeks now. So they officially confirmed him finally. Um, yeah, they even were like taking pictures with him and putting it on social media. This is probably the worst kept secret of, of uh, all of the Overwatch League editions and trades. Um, and then they also uh, came to a buyout agreement, which uh, was pending league approval a couple days ago. I would imagine it's close to done now, um, if not league approved, uh, for Rascal from the the Spitfire. Um, uh, the Spitfire had Rascal and Fisher out on market um, and just kind of saying like who was interested, and, and the fuel went after Rascal. And that that agreement between the two teams was done, and it was just waiting for the Overwatch League to sign off on it. So those are their two editions, both DPS editions. And um, yeah, at one point they were looking at adding so what, and we can talk about that a little <laughs> bit more. But yeah. Um, Oh, yeah uh, i don't think that will be happening uh although uh, what was no. reported yeah what was reported i will say it was like basically guaranteed correct when it was reported things changed and this one was kind of sad
0: all right let's just i mean let's talk about specifically here okay so sure. if you guys don't even know what we're talking about so what was reported um by slasher rod that uh, you know that that he was going to be joining the fuel and you know what jacob said and you know even what slash was saying that is you know his source was very reliable um so uh, a lot of people were expecting that then you know um you know uh, the owner of Dallas fuel you know tweeted that he was just basically crazy like where was he you know basically that wasn't true and I don't know. I think some of this kind of fell through because of all this, you know, and we, we, I don't know if we can want to go into it too much, but, um, I don't know if it's a little bit of a spitefulness. I, it would be too petty to say that's purely spitefulness. So something kind of fell through for so what here. Uh, and it's unfortunate for so what, because so what like is really screwed now. Like he, he like, yep. you know, basically, um, you uh, ended up turning down a bunch of contenders opportunities And he's, like, in this kind of limbo uh, or or purgatory now. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's...
1: He was basically guaranteed uh, from everything I was told. There was like a verbal guarantee. So, so Hastro's whole wording uh, on Twitter was essentially, we have not signed a player, which was correct. Um, but there was like a verbal understanding between both teams that so what would be joining the fuel. And in fact, he was trying with trialing with several different contender teams and negotiating with them, including Gray's own Houston over here, um, which I don't know if he can say anything about, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so um, yeah, so he was trying out for several different teams. He A lot of the people in contenders were interested with him. He got this verbal offer from uh, Dallas, basically verbally accepted it, had not signed a contract yet, and then it got reported, and then it's now fallen apart after. And it uh, looks like they'll be keeping XQC and, and uh, potentially even playing some of their other players like Taimu as, as a tank eventually, or at least trying that.
0: I say keeping XC. I mean, what were they going to do with XC? Was somebody gonna, they're going to trade him or something? I mean, they can't drop him, right? It's
1: no, I think I think at the very least like they were they were just not going to play him much. Like they were just going to put him in active. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like I was that, that was the worst case scenario with XC. But yeah. uh, my understanding is he, he'll be back in the fold and playing more.
0: Okay, okay interesting. All right, well, let's just talk about AKM and Fuel or sorry, Rascal. Those are two DPS players. So is that filling a big need that they had? Um, you know, like, one of the biggest weaknesses they had? I mean, they're going to have, like, five DPS players now, I, I believe, or at least capable five players capable of playing DPS. So, yeah, great. What what's your thoughts on, on them filling weaknesses? Like, have they, uh, like, concentrated I, on the right places?
2: It's hard to tell. I think um, Rascal is basically Seagull, but slightly better, when it comes to hero pools. Like, Rascal pretty much plays the same heroes that Seagull is meant to be playing, the Genji, etc., right? Right. So, right? I'm not wrong in this. No, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: There's not, a lot of overlap. There's on a lot of screen, overlap. With but
2: screen. he's been playing Genji as so. well. Yeah. I, I think Rascal is a really good pickup, but um, I don't know. I think they are overdoing it too much. There's too much overlap. Like, AKM plays an Insane pharaoh and scan. Siegel plays an Insane pharaoh and other random stuff. I think Siegel is gonna be the true specialist on that team. He's gonna play the Hanzos, the Bastions, the Maze, the
0: fun heroes, c- heroes basically. Yeah. <laughs> <the best> heroes, <laughs> yeah dog lucky heroes. dog. Yeah. Uh
2: I think so. That's my guess. Because he's always been good on these heroes that people don't grind, like his Hanzo has always been amazing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, AKM can play Farah. The Siegel can play Farah. Then you have uh Taimo who can play the Hit Scans. AKM can play Heat Scan. I don't know. I don't think that's going to fix their issues. Like, Sure, they're going to upgrade, and they're going to inherently be better because less mercy, but I don't know. From an outsider's perspective, and obviously I don't know half of what happens, but I don't know. I don't think they went with the best roles to pick up, really. I think
0: their tank line will still struggle a lot. That's what I feel like. Yeah,
1: And I feel like that's why So What would have made sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, would have been a perfect fit, actually. Yeah, um, for sure. I think this is a sign that Timu's probably not going to be playing hitscan. Um you know, he'll probably be moved over to like a, you know, just Roadhog flex tankish type of thing. Um interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best fit for him. Obviously Roadhog's great, but I still don't know if that's like perfect fit for our best utilization of him. Uh yeah, we're kind of things, s- right? Yeah, go ahead. I
2: just want to say like you add in AKM and you think okay, AKM is going to fit the hitscan role, right? But AKM, historically, is not known as a Widow player, right? He's yeah. not. No, he's not. Maybe he he's been yeah. it. I don't know, but he's mostly been the Soldier slash McCree, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you can't assume, okay, if we're going to play Widow, put Timo in, but are they going to play Widow the entire map? Yeah, effects pretty good, too, to Widow. Widow. He's not yeah, Taimou sure. at his best, but he's, he's still yeah, but, good. But like, you're not going to run Widow Tracer if you are playing Effect and AKM at the same time. What I'm saying? Yeah,
0: Rascal, I guess Rascal's Tracer's not great either. That, yeah. It
2: just makes things like Envious has always been awkward when it comes to hero pools. Like, literally, always. It's always been kind of their weakness because it's always been awkward. And I think this only makes it even more awkward because you have to swap heroes mid-match. You just have to, you know? So, I don't know.
0: So, if it's so like, awkward, it's, I mean, are you just basically... Say, are you saying that they're just picking up big names kind of thing? and not no, really no, 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 no. I think to... they
2: will be an upgrade. These this, okay. this pickups are definitely an upgrade, but... For sure.
1: okay. I okay. So it's not the end like... of the world, too, if some yeah. of their players just don't play anymore, too. Like, if if mm-hmm. Siegel gets significantly less playing time, he's still a great personality to have for them for public yeah, for sure. purposes. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wish Brandon was... I don't know. Like, I... Like, because Brandon's a really smart player, and it's like I could see him, I, I could always see him, like, you know, making calls and things like that. You know, I was I couldn't tell who was making calls in this last week, but every time they would shoot, you know, like this camera would be showing the team, you know, you'd see Brandon talking to the team. So, and, and it's just like I, I felt like he was more verbal this last week than or the last two week and a half or so than I've seen him all season. Um, so I don't know, I, I kind of think, I don't know, personally, I'd like to see him still involved, obviously, in, in some of these, uh, Big matches and hopefully integrate into the meta somehow. Uh, But okay, well, anyways, that's Dallas. So next up, we have uh, LA Gladiators made a move, right, Jacob?
1: Yeah. So the LA Gladiators acquired Fisher uh, Mm -hmm. from the few or from the Spitfire. Sorry, as well Uh, the other player the Spitfire were looking to get rid of. yeah, I mean, this move was, from what I heard, Fisher was not fitting very well into the atmosphere with the Spitfire. He was uh, sort of having some issues fitting into behavioral issues, I guess is the best way to describe <laughs> what I was told. Um, and they wanted yeah. to get rid of him, and he was on the market for that purpose, and... Um, I, I think Rascal was more on the market for playtime uh, purposes, like he wasn't getting the right amount of playtime that he wanted, and that opportunity presented itself in something like the Fuel. Um, and so just like they did with the Fuel, uh, Cloud9 or, or the Spitfire came to a buyout agreement with uh, the Gladiators, and that one was also pending leak approval, but I would imagine that goes through if it hasn't already from the leak side. So,
0: yeah. So um, you know, definitely there's you know there was some type of uh, you know issues I think chemistry wise or what what whatnot with uh, Fisher, but I I feel like at the same time you know this is a a good example of what you know like a different uh, more of a front office type of the front office aspect of the league. You know, a lot of times we're just thinking of straight up of the matches, what happens on the stage, and you know that that's a huge part of the league, but also the you know front office and, and all of these type of general manager moves are. Are super important too and you know with how the London Spitfire was built in the first place you know some of it just circum you know it just happened to you know, you know like I think originally he was you know I, he was being built off of you know one Korean team and then another Korean team became available so I don't know if this was like originally planned but in the end what you see is like you have you see Jack with a bunch of of uh, very valuable assets on his team and now you're getting yep. a chance to see him move it for you know, you know more money than he got him for so, well, I think he bought,
1: right? he bought those teams. He bought those teams in bulk. So, like, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I would imagine that he pay he paid a lot of money to get them up front. Like the numbers that were yeah. floating around were like a million dollars per team, which is kind of nuts. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm sure he sold these players for upwards. Of, I, I would say probably close to six figures, if not six figures. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so I guess he made return on them if you do the math, but it like. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, like he had spare players that yeah. wanted, either wanted more playing time, or in the case of Fisher, did not fit very, did not fit well into the culture, so moving yeah. elsewhere.
0: And the 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 reason I'm bringing this up is because there can be an approach, you know, from the standpoint of of how you build the team, that you just it's not great for the players themselves, but you know, for the teams themselves, it's kind of like a football team that has like this backup quarterback, like the Eagles, for instance. That's a perfect example, right? They have two quarterbacks okay, yep. now that are literally—I mean, one's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in fulls, and the other was going to be the league MVP, yeah, right? Yeah, but. and he's going to be the league MVP too now. So you know, now the Eagles have this incredible asset that they can you know go trade or uh, you know because he's still under contract. It's the same kind of thing you can do in the Overwatch League. You can actually have a player that's could start on some other teams or it could be a valuable asset for another team. You just stash them and then, you know, have the other teams pay a crap load, right. For them to, to um, immediately be able to use them.
1: Uh, I was so- trying to figure out how to word what we were writing in those two articles, because they were basically just ca- cash for player kind of deals. And it, and it wasn't like, it wasn't a complete buyout. It was like a, a transfer agreement. I think was the, the words that we used, if I'm <laughs> right. not mistaken. Because literally all it is is your uh, is the Spitfire reassigning his contract to the Fuel um, from a legal perspective. Yeah. So uh, the way the NBA does this is you you say trade for cash considerations. I like almost wanted to write it that way. Oh my God. That was what was happening. Essentially, it was like you were trading a pl- trading a player for money. So
0: yeah. Yeah. That happens all the time. I mean, it's, yeah. So having it awarded is, yeah, a little bit funny and trying to figure that out. Uh, but definitely interesting. And uh, Fisher, you think Fisher's going to help uh, the LA Gladiators or, or fill one of their huge holes, Gray? Uh,
2: I think so. I think, mm-hmm. I think it will be an upgrade for sure. Mm-hmm. Gladiators is another thing that will benefit from changes because Big Goose is an Amazing Lucio. Mm-hmm. He's not an Amazing Mercy. He's okay. Not top of the pack, not bottom. But he's an amazing Lucio, so they'll benefit from it immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think Fisher is just a better tank player. There's not much complexity to get into it. I just feel he's a better tank player than what they have, so it's an upgrade. I, mean, I don't think it will change too much. Though mm-hmm. I think that team will still struggle. I
0: mean, Fisher's been—I you know, don't know about recently, but definitely, um, you know, leading into season one, he was one of the best. You know, Tank's one of the yeah. best Winstons in the world, so you know, him and Gesture, yeah, for sure. two of the best Winstons you know, on the same yeah. team, that was yeah, kind of a exactly. total waste for one of them, so it's good to see yeah, him. I think
2: Fisher, Fisher's case is really simply, it's an
0: upgrade kind of story. Yeah, you know? yeah, you yeah. don't have to yeah. think
2: about hero pools or <laughs> when do they play him or anything, yeah. it's, it's just the one-up. At least how I see it.
0: Yeah, even if they had a tank, he's just better than whatever tank they had, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, well, next up we've got uh, the Florida Mayhem. It's definitely a team that's in big need of, of uh, players, and they had a lot of room. So we ended up seeing um, them picking up say, a player as well as Awesome Guy. Uh, so this is actually pretty big, you know, in terms of um, just even the team, right? Actually adding Korean players to this team. This is the first time that we've even seen them even venture into this, this kind of mixing up uh uh well first off nationalities. We saw a little bit of that, and now we're seeing like even more so, you know, like in a bigger way, like even language barriers. So um yeah, these two and then they added a coach too or assistant coach, you know, in Ryder. Uh it's Ryder, right? I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. yeah it's Rider. Yeah. So um Ryder's been coaching some of the, you know, the best Korean teams as well as, you know, he's been a player too. So um definitely a great addition to mineral uh, but let's just talk about the players first yeah say a player and awesome guy you know say a player has definitely been on the list of DPS players still haven't been picked up you know by by an overwatch league and then you know awesome guy too is going to help out you know I think in the the, the tank role right so um, yeah thoughts on these two players Do you think these are, are two of the best that were out there or um, you know maybe not
1: it doesn't take much for this this uh, team <laughs> God, to get better Come on, so. that,
0: that's okay <laughs> okay that was that was an easy answer all right but yeah
1: yeah i mean i think the the big thing is like they people really need to look at this differently than than what overwatch used to be before overwatch league in the sense that there's literally like the worst you can do is maybe drop down a place for these guys right like you can't get relegated out of the overwatch league you paid a hefty fee to be in there in the first place so why not experiment with your roster and add two players that don't speak the same language as your main roster like that you don't really have a consequence. It, it's like okay, you're worse than you were the the stage prior. Like, so I feel like that's exactly what uh, the mayhem and the Shanghai Dragons are doing with the changes they've made over the last couple of weeks. Is like, hey, we we have a permanent spot that we're guaranteed to be in this league forever. Why don't we just try something? <laughs> and and this this ended up just being what was a good option to try. So,
0: well, I mean, the thing about the mayhem was that they're probably the m- most heavily criticized for not spending money. And I mean, rightfully so. Like, I, I mean, I don't think that any of it was unwarranted. I think outside of Boston, I mean, we're talking about Huck and just making good moves And from that standpoint. I mean, Mayhem really didn't have a coach for a while, right? And there was a lot of things, even just from a, an operational standpoint, I think, that weren't in place compared to the other uh, organizations. So I think they're getting all of that, like, like straightened out now, really filling in the organization and, and all the pieces that are necessary for the, the players to succeed, um, but I mean, I heard like, like stories of like, I don't know if this is true or not. But I heard stories of like Tavik driving the bus, you know, right, like yes. driving the bit you know, like stuff like that's like, that shouldn't happen. That's crazy. Right. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, now it sounds like they're, they're spending some money. So the real question is like, were these the two players to spend the money on? There's a lot of good players out there. You know, there were, and players that you could like Fisher that you could go and, you know, pay even a chunk of money and, and grab them from another team. So, um, yeah, great. These, the two guys you would probably. Put at the top of your list here?
2: Mm, probably. I don't know. There's so much talent in the um, mostly in the East, like in Korean stuff, that it's hard to tell. But uh, those two players are definitely amazing. I think awesome guy is not gonna make that much of a difference compared to Swish. He's definitely better. It's like gladiators. It's just an upgrade. But I feel like Sush has been criticized way more heavily than he deserves to be. He's I, not within the worst tanks of the league. He's not within the best, certainly. But it's like, people just hang on to the, oh, he used to be a DPS player, now he's playing yeah. tank. And he used uh, to scapegoat, you know? Like, the lack yeah. of success of Mayhem. I think Sushis has been getting too much uh, criticism that he doesn't deserve. Even so, it's an upgrade. But I don't think it's as big as an upgrade as, like, Fisher to Gladiators, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, sire player... He's a really good player. I'm interested to see how how they're gonna make him fit with Vic and logics. I'm really interested to see that yeah. logics yeah, and it could be really good. I feel like I feel like logics could be a linker, but he's not been playing. I don't know. I think logics yeah. something's going something's wrong in that because I've played with him a lot. He's an European player and he's amazing, but he's not been performing. So.
0: Well, I think he's had an up and down too. Like, I think going yeah. into the league, he was he was carrying the team. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah, and then standards was Logic's plus plus five. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, he was but doing so much. I, I think we quickly realized... I mean, the teams quickly realize you can't do that. I mean, the the, the league's too good mm-hmm. for you to be able to carry with one player anymore. Um, so, I think they went through a transition of that. Like, logic's just basically being being focused, or at least teams focusing on on logic not making. You know, just crazy pulse bombs or you know, incredible plays, and that that's like enough just to beat them. But I think Logics has kind of swung back on the you know kind of upside now. He's you know, yeah. I think he's starting, or at least the team overall is starting to gel a bit better. And you know they added Zappas too. You know, let's, let's not forget that mm-hmm. that's a huge add for them. Um, I and mean, whether it overlaps or not, it's still a little bit overlap, but still I, I think it's just an upgrade period. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if you know these upgrades to maybe even existing pieces help out. Um, kind of interesting to see where Tavik ends up going. You know if there is some overlap with. Uh, uh, I mean, he's still, I guess, a projectile player, right? Um, for the most part, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Tanks Zappies seem to be a play big some thing. DPS as well. What Was that?
2: Zapis can play some DPS heroes as well. Yeah. So I don't know what gonna, because what I feel about Zapis is like. I think the player in Mayhem that's been performed the best is Manhattan, the off tank. I really think he's the player that's doing the best in
0: Mayhem. Yeah, you know? no doubt. <laughs> that's not but even a question. Zap-
2: yeah, no no doubt. So getting another off tank feels weird. But then again, Zappies is a really good player. And also, I've played with Zappies, like for this Taiwanese tournament. I screamed with him for a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. he's really intelligent. Like, he understands how the game works really well. So. By getting Zapis, you have a two-in-one package of a player and also a coach. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be one of the most vocal voices in VOD reviews and dry running maps and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a big plus behind Zapis. He's a great player, but he understands
0: how the game works really well, and that's gonna help them a lot. I think the Mayhem's gonna be one of those teams that benefit a lot too from a a meta change, or at least a little bit away from Mercy because their Mercy play was not good <laughs> just to be just a you know be pretty frank about it uh their mercy play was i think maybe you know one of the bottom to be honest so you know zabasai and zupe i think they'll they'll uh definitely enjoy a better like a different type of meta combo um you know in, in the upcoming meta so uh, yeah we'll we'll have to see I, I think that you know they're they're better pieces it's still like unclear as to who's gonna rise you know like these teams that we're talking about at the top i mean they have players that we can just point out oh man he's one of the best players in the league like period you know it's not even like yeah, ah, yeah. he's just the best thing no he's the one of the best you know support player no he's actually one of the best players in the league so yeah, um you know I, i'm not sure i see that quite yet in this team uh so uh we'll, we'll see it's again they have we'll a see. they have a lot to build on so yeah for sure it's not going to be just one move yeah you know? Okay, let's see what's next. So we are we going to get to um, see contenders yet? No, not quite. Uh, so Shanghai finally officially announced those four players we talked about last week with Gaguri in it. Um, uh-huh. So good, good. It's official now. That's definitely great. Um,
1: Another one of those. Uh, you can't get any worse. So let's try something <laughs> different. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to they're going to have two, or they're going to have three Korean players try to learn Mandarin, which is. Uh, that's intriguing.
0: intriguing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not gonna happen very quickly. It's not easy to learn Mandarin, man. It's just just you that way. Um uh but Guguri I'm happy for her. You know, it's like I, I know she doesn't love the attention, but you know, we gotta we gotta it, talk about it. I mean that's what it comes Look, you know, It's like it's big. News. Honest, honestly,
1: it's like, like if even though I under I understand like what she said to Rod uh, is the sense that like she doesn't want to be this narrative, but yeah, regardless, I think that it, it's very helpful and i think that her being in the league and being on camera and kind of being an example to other women that play overwatch that want to make it to the league or make it to contenders i think it's just a good example it's it's good to have somebody that you can relate to um, from that perspective so i think i think it's a good thing yeah, um, yeah. i just, my i talked about this yesterday or day before yesterday on on our podcast the, the only thing is i wish it wasn't shanghai because uh, she is a much better player than I think Shanghai will make her look like. Yeah, you know, if, if she was in a team with better players, I would have uh, I would be much more happy about this. I'm um, very happy for her. I think she deserves this. But um, yeah, I would have much rather have seen her on a team that could make make her look as good as she probably really is. So, and I don't think that's the Shanghai Dragons. Nice.
0: Totally agree with that. <laughs> totally. All right. So we got a uh, next up. We got. Not confirmed, so you're still in like rumor phase, you know, speculation phase. But gambler to dynasty, and then um, animo to Nixle. So um,
1: basically, as good as confirmed from everything I was <laughs> told. <yeah.
0: laughs> okay, okay. This is obviously from Rod. So I mean, Rod's been been doing an awesome job at at um, you know just getting all the news and nailing down all the sources. So um, yeah, so uh, that pretty big. I mean gambler definitely is, is one that a lot of people have been watching just because you know he's Lw blue and uh, he's been a good player for you know at least the recent history uh, so that would that would help them out I think that would help them out like what do you what do you think of that that addition Gray? I
1: think it's good we talked yeah. about earlier uh, we talked about earlier that they didn't have anybody that could play Mercy.
0: yeah so, but it's kind of uh, late for that now yeah
1: I know the meta has shifted but um, just adding more diversity in your support pool I think is always a good thing. Because people tend to specialize, so
0: they could have done that yeah. so much. They could have done that weeks ago, right? Couldn't they have just sure. picked up Gambler like two weeks ago or something?
1: No, no, because uh, you can't pick up people until this this like period, which is like you can pick them up, but they are They were never eligible to play until the twenty first. Oh, so, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, so, you so this play is anyways. this is the ir- year.
1: This is the yeah. This is There's the no area way. that you had to pick somebody up in. I so even it. if they would have yeah. would have gotten because Gagari was like. Done basically a month ago i think and mm-hmm. and it just kind of came to light over the last week and she's just not eligible to play until feb, feb 21 so yeah. which is next week so um yeah i mean they could have picked him up but can't play till next week anyway
0: yeah so uh it's the animo to Nixel that's that's basically just like you know building out the team you know so a good backup to i think Ark and and uh jonak of course uh it's yeah. good i think that that's it's nice to be in that situation. It's nice it's when safe. you have like a good starting lineup and you can just kind of fill in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but you were going to say something else? Or?
2: No, it's just that picking up these players are safe decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. If they have an upgrade, cool. If they're not, well, our backline is already really good, so it doesn't have to have them, you know? Yeah. It's not a gamble at all to pick them
0: up. It's completely safe. It's a safe decision. Mm-hmm. So All right, let's talk about contenders. Like, we've only got about 15 minutes here, so let's uh, let's try to move through this. Rod, um, you know, obviously through ESPN, ended up uh, posting a bunch of teams here. Uh, So, sources say, haven't been, you know, some of them have been announced. Some of them have not been announced, but, uh, you know, you can take a look here, and we'll just... Pretend we don't see some of these names on here, or a particular name on here. Uh, But you can see that New York's got Flower on here, no surprise. Um, You know, Adam? Actually,
1: a little little surprised. I'm not that surprised that that, uh, Flower is on there. I'm a little surprised, though, because everybody was, like, really... I heard multiple teams were trying to chomp a bit, but he has very much been, like... The team, you know, he was part of the team that got the LW Blue team that got acquired by the HLCR originally. So mm-hmm. it was very much kind of always destined he would go there. But a lot of, I heard that a lot of GMs were calling Nate and the league and going, hey, can they actually do that? Can they like sign him to a team way before that series even starts? And a lot of people were challenging it because Flower was very highly contested.
0: Flower could easily be the highest paid player if, if he was, <laughs> if it was a bidding of eight, war. Yeah. Like, if there was bidding war here. Uh, so, just so folks understand, with the, with these contender uh, academy teams, this is when, when there's an actual OWL team that has a contenders roster, it's an academy team, just for fo- folks that might not understand that. And I believe if you're on the academy team, you can't be sniped by another team, right? Like, uh, you know, you're pretty much in the farming system for this team.
1: Uh, is that correct? No, you can No, no, no. You can, can be sniped? pulled up.
0: You can still oh, get you can, you okay. Can, you can
1: still get sniped. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I'm like, okay. I I don't think that is there a buyout fee? I don't think there's a buyout fee either. Uh, I think you can get pulled up.
0: Oh, so yeah, this, con- this doesn't matter then. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Contenders teams have like really friendly rules towards the players yeah. to eventually go
0: up to a league.
1: You basically just don't want to like put somebody in the minor league for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like you want to you want to make it where they can progress and get better.
0: Okay, but the fact that they're on New York or London or whatever, it doesn't matter, right? The, the highest bidders. I mean, I guess, guy. I guess, like,
1: I guess the the real thing is like you want you want the person because the player will be the one that ultimately chooses. It's not like you can just snatch him from another team, but like it's the player decision. So if you have him in your culture, then obviously the idea is that maybe one day you call
0: him up. So yeah, okay, that's a that's a lot to invest in. But cool I mean that the dynamic's cool it's great to talk about it's definitely more for us to talk yeah, about. yeah sure. Chad
1: is saying twenty five percent of salary and start and start bonus so it's really not oh. it's not a huge buyout oh, okay. pretty minimal buyout in That's comparison to yeah, yeah there's a pretty minimal buyout
0: well, you can guarantee that flower is going to have a giant bidding war <laughs> like for, for when yeah, but he he actually go.
1: can't he can't even play till season two though, know as but well, which but kind of when sucks. season
0: two hits it's going to be. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Flower is one of the highest, if not the highest paid player, like by the end of that, uh, just for purely sure. on hype. I mean, if he if he just totally falters for a reason in contenders, which I don't see that happening, um, that would be, uh, you know, that'd be the only thing that would keep him back. But if it's just, if it's the Flower, I know it's going to be insane. Um, but anyways, kind of finishing out uh, Adams on the scene. Actually, Gray, like once you talk about some of these players like that, you think are, are uh, really great pickups by them. I think
2: the player that I want to talk the most about on that team is probably Goliath, simply Mm -hmm. because he's not known as much as Adam and Flower. I think Goliath is a really good player. I just want to say, keep an eye out on that guy, because he's just not very well known, right? At least Mm -hmm. not compared to the rest of that roster. So, like, I've experienced experienced it firsthand, I've seen him play, and uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. He's a fragiata.
0: Fragiata. That's going to become the thing, man. It's so like that's triple. That's DPS. what gets
2: me most excited <laughs> about the roster so
0: really. Yeah. Good deal. So London Spitfire's got their contenders team here, or at least the, this is this is all speculative I wait. The London announced theirs. Oh, yeah, they did. No, they London did. has announced yeah, that
1: yeah, they, London they, confirmed, they confirmed confirmed it. London, I London,
0: yeah, our yeah, officer, yes. yeah, I saw I saw uh Styloso had like a video or something. Yeah, no. So the yeah. British hurricanes. Yeah. And hurt. Nuki Nuki's their manager too, so you know that's, yep. that's definitely a bonus. On here last week. Yeah, Nikki was on here last week, but yeah, this is a very European-looking team here with Kib and Javi, Cool, Craigie. It's uh, yeah, I think this could. This is like a fan favorite type of. Uh, I could see that being a fan favorite contenders team there. Any of these others? Funny, I don't think I know Funny Astro or Bach. Uh, Bach one played for one to
2: three. They made oh, it to playoffs. Right, the right, right, right,
0: right. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, Funny about. Astro, I think he's a really young. I might be wrong, but I think he's like 16. He's still juggling playing with school and stuff, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. As you can see, they have like a three-support lineup. Yeah. And I believe the reason for that is mostly because Bokwon does not play Mercy. I think he hates the hero with a passion. Yeah, He will only play Mercy if he absolutely has to, I believe. Yeah. So with a three-support rotation, they can um, whenever they want to run a comp that uses a Mercy, they can do that way more easily. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I think that's the thought process behind the support lineup.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, then, frankly, got to the, Ken, oh.
1: contenders is very non-committal too. So, like, it's not uh, yeah. they, if you're in a position like that where you're either in school or whatever, and you have to miss a game, it's fine. I don't yeah. think it's a huge deal.
0: All right, Houston Outlaws. So, uh, Jacob, do you see a name on there? That's a pretty, pretty good, good mm-hmm. players on there. I mean, Kaiser's obviously you know what tank that we know of, but. conspicuously
1: missing so what
0: yeah yes yes missing so what who might have been actually on this contender roster if circumstances didn't work out support line looks pretty good on this one
1: yeah I know (laughs) There's yeah. a a ruggishly handsome yeah. dude in a gray shirt on this show right now. Yeah. I, I might be they
0: playing. To, be awesome. agree. Oh man! All right. Uh, maybe we just skip that one. <laughs> Let's go to Boston now. Uh, so Boston only has a five man roster yeah. here at least. Maybe That's there's the probably, there's one probably one on a six man. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. probably one more here that Rod just didn't report yet. But um, I don't. I'm not that familiar with these guys to be honest. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, am I, should I be surprised that Boston has a, a roster that I'm not too familiar with? Man. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Probably yeah. Not. So uh, I wouldn't doubt any of these guys for sure. I'm sure they they are uh, well scouted and going to be good. Um, okay. The Mayhem. The Mayhem has, um, uh, there's Za or Pizza, you know, <laughs> Mikey A too. So some names that we, we recognize here, Krems. What do you think of this team? This team pretty good. The Mayhem it's thing? okay.
2: I don't know three of the players, the bottom three. That yeah. apparently Slasher doesn't even know their real names, just uh, the handles. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really know those three players, but I can tell that Mikey and Krems are really, really good players. Yep. I remember when yeah. I was playing in cloud Nine. I used to think Mikey was like the most underrated player in the entire yeah. West. Yeah. But, but literally. He's really good at the game, I think. And he's one of those tracers that can actually flex to projectile, which is useful sometimes. Like, we've seen this, especially in Korean rosters, a tracer player swapping to Junkrat and stuff. Yeah. In Western teams, this is not a common thing to do. But Mikey can do that. He can play the Junkrats, the Fire while being a tracer specialist. So, looking at the top three of the team, I can say I think they're going to perform. Looking at the bottom three, I don't know. I have yeah, no idea, I right? I can say right. bad, I just,
0: I do not know. I could see Krems, I, I could see some of these guys even moving up, to be honest, like, to their to their roster. Um, okay, we got the Shock, San Francisco Shock, and I don't think they've announced this one yet, right? Um, yeah, so we got Smacks, Butcher, hmm. Uh, I don't know some of these guys either, to be honest.
1: I think that's kind of the point of contenders, right? You're not supposed to like not supposed to be star studded like Korean buyout teams. I mean
0: (laughs) that's yeah. It's it's really about talking about players that you know that we thought should be or potentially could be in OWL that are
1: And I mean there certainly are some, right? Like like Adam was one person I thought I would see in an owl and he wasn't, but now he's on a contenders team. So like you
0: know. Yeah, and it's kinda of moving on to Gladiators. They they announced it too today. Uh you see know, Panker, Pooks, R- Wolf, Rolf and Gods, obviously. Two guys a lot of people were talking about. And Blast- Gods is back, boys. Yeah, God's is back. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good team right there, right? To be honest. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised that team does pretty well in in contenders. Uh and then we had a couple other teams announced too, which were um uh, not academy teams, but simplicity. I think was announced today, which was um. They had a couple people that, um, that would be recognized by a lot of people. A lot of not
1: a terrible fans. roster. Yes. not a terrible roster by uh, assembled by people that aren't necessarily super familiar with Overwatch. So yeah, Good stuff.
0: Yeah, let me just show it real quick. So yeah, we got fit. Uh, Faz, Zoms, uh oh my god, the Rise of, <laughs> rise of X Redsey. Rise is that X or is that a different
2: It's Retzi. It's Retzi. Yeah. Oh my god. That's, that's funny. <laughs>
0: oh my the return of Retzi. that's gonna be awesome. Uh so yeah, this this is a hype team. I can't wait to see this team yeah, in action for sure. too. Yeah.
1: Team is owned by a minority owner of Swansea City and uh the Memphis Grizzlies as well. So oh, oh, yeah big yeah. big name owner on it too, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Jed Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kaplan, yeah. All right, we got five minutes because uh, Jacob's got to go, but um, got q and A, a Q&A question here from Vince. Do you think that at some point, X or OWL as it expands, will get stadiums in Europe? I would like to see this live at some point in the future. Your thoughts? Stadiums? That's gonna. I think we're a long ways from stadiums.
1: Yeah. Arenas. We're along we're a long way from being expanded in Europe period. So like we we need to get we need to get to, to, get oh to that point God. at first oh. before anything else. That's, um, true. that's true. I think that I think that will happen. Uh, I think that expanding in Europe is obviously a huge goal. The league has told me that and several others uh, that that's the case. And um, now it's just figuring out how that works. Uh, but I would say when we're thinking venues uh, for geolocation, so, the biggest thing is theaters to look at over the next couple of years. Theaters that, or like
0: arenas? And I would think like theaters. arenas. Okay. Theaters. Theaters. Yeah. We'll build up, guys. We'll build up from. from
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> the Valiant already announced Microsoft Theater will be their, their home. So, like, it, it's, we're going to have more of those. I think they'll be like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 seat venues, not 16,000 seat arenas. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. big difference.
0: Yeah. We're starting at, so. four, you know, 450 right now, or maybe more like 600. In the uh, the actual Blizzard Arena, so getting up to a couple thousands, you know, that's pretty huge. You know, and I
1: definitely. I reckon I I think that playoffs for Overwatch League Season One, like the end of the year playoffs or whatever, the end of the season playoffs, Maybe. not stage playoffs, will be somewhere bigger, probably on the East Coast, but somewhere bigger. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, that'll definitely be good. Okay, well, um I don't think we have time for the, the at least the second question here from Vince. Uh so why don't we wrap up? Because I know you have a hard stop, Jacob. So don't, yeah. don't want you to be late for your, your next engagement here, given that it's probably gonna be some hopefully some more big news, you know, in terms of <laughs> Overwatch. Uh but grey, yeah, thanks for thanks for uh joining us, man. This is the first time on and um I mean your insight's great and Good luck to the future. I think we get a, yeah. we get a you know a little bit of a a little a semblance of what your future is going to be like in the near future <laughs> uh, but uh, any shout outs you want to do? Uh, not
2: off the top of my head no if you okay. had asked me this question earlier maybe I' would have but let, let, me let me
0: check uh... the subreddit. can I <laughs> so it's not out okay yeah maybe if we had the show a couple hours later then we might have a shout here <laughs> but
2: um... but uh, thanks for having me it was
0: it was fun. it was really yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, again, best of luck to the future. I, you're, We're always on the list of people that sh- should be picked up or, you know, whatever for OWL. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing you play, especially in this new meta. It's going to be fun. It's be fun. Yeah, Jacob,
1: shout-outs. Uh, no particular shout-outs. Um, keep following our coverage of uh, Overwatch on ESPN. Uh, we've done a lot of it this week, and I would imagine we will continue to do so. I fully anticipate to be right at the front line of reporting on expansion, which will start happening, I believe, next month. So next month. pretty excited for that. Yeah. Wait,
0: news? Actual real news or just like the development?
1: Uh, the, the, the conversations, I would okay. I would say, are uh, they, they are a roadshow where they start uh, going on the road and meeting investors. Potential investors will start in March, and I suspect we will hear shortly after that. I think okay. some people will buy in very quickly and others will take a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of close things out. Uh, give a shout. Actually, uh, one little bit of news. I'm, I'm going to be uh, hosting a Flora Mayhem live uh, viewing party. Uh, first one, actually, down here in South Florida. It's going to be official too. So I think Ben might even make an appearance. That's going to be pretty cool. So uh, be on the lookout for against, that. Ben? yeah yeah. so uh, we'll have a I have a meetup that's I haven't really promoted it quite yet but I, I have a meetupcom um, you know page for for all of this so I'll post that in the near future but if you're in the South Florida area come and hang out with us we're gonna do giveaways it's gonna be at Buffalo Wild Wing so we'll have like wing challenges and all kinds of stuff there you know on top of just you know watching and cheering for the Florida mayhem so keep on the lookout for that follow the show on Twitter uh, twitter.com slash the overview and uh, of course uh, again like we're sponsored by Six of this episode, so definitely go and check them out. Uh, they actually have a a Facebook uh, video promotion that they wanted people to check out. So go to their Facebook page and and take a look at the video because that's that's really how they're they're kind of measuring this campaign. So so definitely check it that out. And uh, lastly, uh, yeah, just thanks to. Really, you know, like ESPN, Jake, Jacob, and Slash, you know, for like reporting all this news. I mean, this has like been really exciting for all of us, you know, who do podcasts and and get a chance to write or uh, to have stuff to discuss, and it just really excites the community. And it's important too, because I know you guys get crapped on a lot. You know, I know that's been like you know something that you mentioned recently. Of course. And um, you know, it's it's part of the business. So you know, I know owners don't love it sometimes, but they need to like you know, respect kind of what your role is in this, this entire ecosystem. And it's important. So um, just want to kind of throw that out there too. Uh, and
1: always appreciate it, Chris. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then lastly, you know, just a little, little, um, you know, kind of thoughts and prayers just to all the um, parents and stuff for the folks here in, in South Florida that had the crazy shooting here in parkland florida so you know just a little shout out to those those folks too because it's just crazy uh but that's gonna be it guys for the overview this week so for gray jacob wolf and myself ChamMV, v we will see you maybe next week depending on ben and, and zp but hopefully later Bye.